Uh, so today, uh, just a quick announcement. Brad's going to come back up at the end and, and kind of close the service out with a few announcements. But I wanted you to hear it from me. Uh, last week, we announced that uh, in the next two weeks, we are going to two services. Uh, most weeks, we are getting pretty close to capacity. Uh, for the last probably six weeks, we have done that. And so we want to be a good steward of the people that God has brought us. And we want to create opportunity and more space. Because for us, it's not just a seat. We know that somebody's going to come in and that is a soul that God wants to minister to and connect to. And so, and also, who doesn't love options, right? Uh, and so uh, the 11th or November 12th, November 12th, we're going to go to 9 and 1030. 9 and 1030. So we're going to see who the early morning people are. We're going to see who the 1030, and that's okay. Uh, back and forth, Bridge Kids will be available at both services. Bridge Kids will be available at both services, but 9 and 1030, that's in two weeks. Next week is time change. We get an extra hour of sleep. Yes, right? That's the good stuff. We didn't want to put two services on you and time change, right? That would just mess everybody up. And so in two weeks, that's going to happen November 12th. Everybody good? Very good. We're in a series called Unseen Battle, Unseen Battle. And today we'll be back in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. But we're also going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can open those to those two areas. We'll be there in just a few moments. If not, we're going to put it on the screens for you as well. Uh, but really, God, honestly, God has been blessing me in this series. I get to study this word and open it up. And this series has done a lot for my heart and in my walk with God. And so I, I just I, I know almost exactly where I'm going to be probably Tuesday, Wednesday. And I just keep studying and I just get more and more excited as the week goes on. So as we get here on Sunday and today, we're going to uh, dive into a particular topic. But before I do that, I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each and every person that is here today that can hear the sound of my voice, who may be listening online. And God, we just pray that over the next few moments, we can take just the heaviness of life and everything that is going on around us, and we can just place it at your feet, Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. I pray that your word would penetrate our heart, penetrate our soul, God, that the spirit living in us would illuminate your word and allow us to grow closer to you, God. I pray that we, you would just do what only you can do, and that is save souls, that is change hearts, that is encourage us, that is lift us up, God. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. So we're in pretty much full-fledged football season, right? Yeah. Football season. So I know i got a mixed crowd here, right? Some people are like, we, yeah, go dogs. Okay. Well, I can be a Bulldogs fan, right? And, but we talk about football season. It's a mixed crowd. And if football is on that day, you may be a particular type of person where you're like, this is my team. I'm all in. I'm wearing the t-shirt. I got the hat on. I may even put face paint on, but don't talk to me during the game. I'm cheering for my team. Maybe that's some people in the room. Or maybe for you, you're like, oh, that's cool. I love the football games because I love the finger foods. And I just want to hang out with the people that are there, right? Like maybe you're that, that person and you're like, yes, that's me. I just, I'm a, I like to hang out with people and I love finger foods. Or you're the third category. You're like, Oh, it's football season. I didn't know. That's cool. That's cool. I'm glad everybody likes football season. So no matter where you're at on the spectrum of how you watch football, there's a concept in football, right, where you have one team that's fighting against the other team. And there's all these different dynamics. But the, in the football game, there's always on the field going to be a defense and an offense, right? There's a, you have to defend your goal. And if the other team gets into their goal more than you do, 
then you lose the game, right? And so there's a defensive side, but also there's an offensive side. In football, they say if you have a great defense, you can win championships. But at the end of the day, you have to score points, right? You have to eventually go on to offense. There's a whole other side of the, of the field, whole other side of the game. And when you and I talk about the spiritual battle and the spiritual warfare that we face every single day, we've been talking about this unseen battle that you and I face. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that the spiritual world that we have going on around us flows into the physical. And oftentimes we try to fight what's going on in our life and the circumstances that we're facing in the physical first. But God says, I want you to fight in the spiritual first. Start in the spiritual because the spiritual flows into the physical. And he gives us this uh, window to, to peel back the curtain and to see the schemes of the enemy. And when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, we've been talking about all of these pieces of armor that God gives us. These spiritual armor where he says, I want you to take these up. I want you to make sure you're wearing these every single day so that you can face and win and walk in victory. The spiritual battles that we face every single day. And he tells us all of this. And most of the time, I think we see these, uh, these pieces of armor and we see them because they're great for us to defend the enemy, right? He gives us the shield of faith, the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet so that we, when we're taking blows and the enemy is coming at us, we can defend him. But he gives us one tool, one weapon that is an offensive weapon. Right. Not just defense, but he says, hey, there's a whole other side. I don't just want you to be on the defensive all the time. And, to, and it, the Bible tells us to stand firm, be ready for the spiritual attack. But not only that, don't just defend. I want you to go on offense. I want you to be ready to take ground. I want you to be ready not just to keep backing up and, and standing firm, but actually you're going to stand firm, and now we're going to start moving forward, right? We're going to start living in victory. We're going to start well, experiencing what God has called us to. And so when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, today we're going to unpack what God means when he says, I want you to have this offensive weapon. And out of all of the weeks, this is one for me that equally challenged me, convicted me, and stirred me up to going, okay, yes, let's just reiterate this. Let's walk in this, what God has given us. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses uh, 16 through 18. We've uh, read these each and every week, and we keep hitting on them, but you're diving in with us today. Everybody still doing okay? Yeah, yeah very good. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 16. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says this in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. We talked about this last week with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We get a recap of some of the ones we've already talked about. But then he says, you put the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Then he says, you're going to take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. I'm sure you've heard that before. And maybe in your mind, you're picturing someone holding up a Bible and kind of using it as a sword. Like, yes, the sword of the spirit. And he says, which is the word of God. But if you actually look at the word sword, 
And oftentimes it's not translated into the sword that maybe you and I are talking about. We're picturing maybe that long sword that is sitting on their waist and they pull it out. And this is beautiful Excalibur, shiny, like shing, right? It comes out and it's long and it's big and it's powerful. But oftentimes the word sword that is used here is more like the shorter one that they would pull maybe out of their boot or maybe have it on the other hilt. And it's this strong, double-edged, dagger-type sword that they would use for close combat. Of going, that's the sword, right? When they're, they're too close for the big sword, now you have this dagger-type sword that if when it gets too close, when the battle is too close, and I thought, wow, what a picture, right? Because when the evil one is, is too close on us and it feels like he's in everything that we are doing, God says you need the sword of the Spirit. To not only just defend, but now to go on offense. And he gives us this picture of what it looks like. But we're, we're going to kind of get a, a little, little nerdy here on the Bible today. Is that okay? And, and it's good because there's a huge revelation that the Lord gives us here. Because he's using, in the original language, he's using some different words than maybe what we're used to hearing uh, for this particular topic. But this is what he says. And he says, as he reads this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And if you look at what he says, word of God, in Ephesians chapter 6, he uses a different original language word than what he would in other parts of the Bible when he talks about the word of God. He's using a different translation. And so in the Bible, we usually see three different words that are used for the word of God. The first one is graphe. Graphe is the original word. And that means the written word. The physical Bible. Or the physical papyrus that it was originally written on. It's the actual word. You can hold it. You can smell it. You can touch the physical Bible. Maybe that's what we picture when we talk about the, the sword of the spirit. We're holding the physical Bible in there. Right? And there's a difference between that translation. Right? Because it's the physical. You and I. I, I can own a Bible all day long, right? And it not help me, right? Like I can have a physical written Bible that sits on my nightstand or sits in my drawer or all of that. I can be the owner and producer of a Bible factory and still the Bible not help me, right? Because it's the written part of the Bible. And that's the, one of the words that it talks about. And then it talks about there's another one that is most familiar called Logos, there's logos, which is the message of the word. So not just the physical word, but what are the words saying and what do they mean? This is where you see in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And it uses that word logos in John chapter one. And we're going to see it uses that word as well in Hebrews chapter four. And logos is the is the big one. That's the one that we see because that's the message of God. And we see the message of God is directly translated into Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh, right? The living word. He is the living representation of the message of God. He is the message of God, right? And we see that picture play out in John chapter one, how they're used interchangeably. But he says logos is the message. That's the part when you and I come to church and we go, oh, that's a, that's a revelation right there. That's the truth. That's the word. That's logos in the Bible. But in here in Ephesians chapter 6, in the English language, we still translate it into word. But in the original language, he uses another word, and it's rhema. Rhema is the word that he uses to translate here. And rhema is the utterance. It is when the word and the physical word and the message of God becomes the spoken word of God, becomes the used version 
of God's word, right? It's not just sitting on our hip or sitting on our nightstand. That's when we pull the dagger out and we go, okay, it's time to get to work. Now I'm in a battle. I'm in a war right now. I'm pulling my sword out to use it, not only use it, but I'm going on offense, right? Like, I'm not just going to stand around anymore. I'm going to use the word of God in my life. I'm going to speak the word of God in my life. And that changes things a little bit, right? When we look at that, and if you want to go in and, and, and kind of study those words, you can go, and it's pretty fascinating to see how rhema is the word that is used. So we have graphe, which is the written word. We have logos, which is the message of God. But then we have rhema, which is the spoken word of God or the utterance of God. And this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to get you and I into is going, when we're in a spiritual battle and we're under spiritual attack, the spiritual word of God is when the word of God, the message of God is not just taken into our hearts, but then we actually use it. We begin to speak it. We begin to to allow it to penetrate our hearts, souls and minds. And just picture this in our in our daily life as you and I go about our day, because maybe you've been in church before. Maybe you've experienced this where you hear something from the word of God and you you read a piece of scripture. Maybe you're having a quiet time in your home and you go, oh, that's good. Wow, maybe I've never seen that before. Oh, that God is speaking to me through that particular word. That's when the Holy Spirit is working with you and he's revealing the message of God. He's revealing the logos. But then when you and I go, wow, that's the truth. That's the word. And we get up and then we act on what that is happening. We use that tool of what is happening. Maybe we speak it over our family or or it changes the way that we actually talk or it leads us maybe to repentance or whatever it may be. Then... It moves into the rhema. It moves into the actual use of the word of God. And I think that's a pretty big distinction right here in Ephesians chapter 6. Because if we just see it as logos or graphe, those original words, then we're going to read God's word and just kind of walk away. Go, okay, I'm good. I'm good in this spiritual attack. But what a Paul, he makes a distinction so that you and I know he's going, hey, not only do we need to read it and take it in and know it. But we got to know how to use it, right? I got to know how to use my sword. If I'm going into battle and I hand you a sword or a dagger, you still got to figure out how to use it and use it in my life so that I can go on offense. I can allow this to happen. And God allows us to see how the word of God works in your life and in my life. In Hebrews chapter four, we get to see a little bit more clarity on what this looks like. So Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, this is kind of a more popular verse. This is what he says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul of the spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight but all who are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account in Ephesians chapter 4 he's using the word logos so he's talking about the message of God when you and I read the message of God it is alive and it is active that's why when I read it when I'm 12 years old and it starts speaking to me and then I read it again when I'm 60 and I'm like <gasps> it's like God peeling the the onion layers back and the book never gets old and it just keeps revealing and it keeps getting deeper and it applies to so many different people and so many different situations because it's alive and active right it's, it's it just keeps moving and and molding and the message keeps speaking to us And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I like how he begins to connect the dots for you and I here. And it says it's piercing the division of the soul and spirit. That's important. Because he's saying the double-edged sword is piercing through not just what is physical, 
But what is spiritual, right? What is unseen? We see in the Bible, he's talking about this is the unseen battle. And if we want to fight in the spiritual warfare, if we want to fight in the unseen battle, we have to use the weapons that God has given us that work in the spiritual realm, right? That work in the spiritual attacks that we may be facing. He says the word of God pierces through all of that. And it goes into the unseen, which he's talking about, the uh, spirit and the soul, and not only that, he says, you're, we all have a soul, right, that God wants to, to work into. And the soul is what takes it, what we're going to experience in heaven, the, the soul of a man. And then it says, it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And notice when Jesus was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he not only talks about our actions, but then he goes, hey, actually, if you think it in your heart, then you've sinned against God. Because the word of God reveals the intentions of the heart. And when we read the word of God, it's like that double-edged sword that's going, okay, we need to cut that off, we need to do that. But he does it to the point where it's not just in the action part, but it's in our thoughts and in our hearts. And not only that, he knows not only the thoughts, but the intentions behind the thoughts. I mean, how good is that, right? I say good, but it's, you know kind of holds me accountable right it's those moments where i have the thought and then i apply it and uphold it to the word of god and god goes okay that was a good thought that was not a good thought and that thought is going to turn into emotions and that emotion is going to turn into action right but god is going i want to minister to the thought and to the heart first because then it's going to flow through that because there may even be some wounds that you and i have that are not in the physical but are in the mental and the emotional and the heart of a man or a woman. And God goes, you, you, you can't heal that at a doctor, right? Because there's a, there's a moment where the word of God, the spirit of God that is working with us in the unseen, that begins to heal in the emotional. And in Romans chapter 12, it talks about renewing our mind, right? I, I can't see, he's not talking about the physical brain that he wants to renew, even though our thoughts turn into those thought clouds that you see in neurology, but he's talking about the, the inner thoughts of a man and a woman, right? The, the spirit is working with our inner thoughts, and, and he wants to renew that because those thoughts turn into emotions. Have you experienced that before, where you had a thought? Maybe you uh, uh, thought about someone, and they then all of a sudden, the more you thought about the situation or that person, you felt your emotions start to go a little higher. Like I'm getting madder and madder the more I think about it. And it's like they keep going back and forth. I, I thought about this. Now I'm mad. And now I'm thinking about it more. And it's just everything just keeps escalating to the point where then it goes into the physical. And then it goes into now I'm changing my actions. Now I'm, I'm saying this to people. And now I'm having an outburst of anger. And all of a sudden, because it started in the thought. And that's why the Apostle Paul tells us we've got to take every thought captive. The fiery arrows, the seed of doubt. The enemy knows if I can get their thought life, if I can get their motions going haywire, then I can change what they're doing. And then the representation that they have to the world when they call themselves a Christian, like then, now I got them, now I got them, right? The spiritual warfare that is happening. And God is going, I, not only do I want you to be able to defend all of that, but now as a Christian, ooh, this is, now I want you to go on the offensive. Not only, right, God always starts with us first. The word of God, I'm reading the word of God so that it will kind of come in and, and discern what is good and what is holy, right? And it says discerns and judges. So the thought comes in or the emotion comes in or the action comes into my life and the word of God discerns or judges. Okay, that's good. We need to hold on. Keep, that's godly. That's holy. Or it goes, no, that's worldly. That's selfish. That right? And I need to cut that out, cut that out, cut that out. It starts at 
But it only happens when we interact with the word of God and the spirit of God. And we yield to the spirit and we see that in the Bible. Um, a, a couple years ago, my son Bennett, uh, we have Stella Bennett, Maddox and Lucas. And Bennett is, um, he's our passionate one. You know, he's, he's always excited. He has no like chill. He has no quiet mode. It's either loud mode or sleep, right? He's just ready to go. And so we're, his brothers are doing the monkey bars in our neighborhood and I'm kind of tossing them up and being a bad parent. I'm tossing them up, right? like, like gets, letting them go. And so he goes, and he gets a little more confident than he should. And so he starts running and, like, jumping to the monkey bars. Well, he goes too far, swings, and as he's swinging, he falls and puts his hand down. And boom, hits his wrist. And in the moment, I could look at it and go, oh, that's broke. Like, that's, that's, that's not good. That's kind of nasty, right? So we, we pick him up. We ride back to the house. And then we take him to the doctor, and of course, they want to take an x-ray of it, right? And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's broke. He's, he's showing all the signs. He's, it's hurting really bad. It's starting to swell up. I can see all of that. But they take him to the x-ray machine, and they give him little x-rays, and, you know, he's got his little, he's trying to be tough. It's funny, even at that age, right? Like, he's trying to be tough, and he's like, ooh, he's crying, but he's still trying to hold. He's like, don't you touch it. I want to do it. And so they take an x-ray of him, and we get the x-rays back, and we're like, ooh, both of them snapped into, and one like sticking up this way, the other one's going that way. You know, we're getting graphic in church, but all those things, right? And we, we began to see it, but the x-ray revealed what was really underneath the skin. We saw all the symptoms, and we could see everything around it. It was swelling, it was painful, but when the x-ray hit, we were like, yep, it's 100% broke. Get a cast on there, and then when we went back, guess what they did again? It took an x-ray again, right? Because they needed to see what was underneath. And the word of God acts like the x-ray on our heart and our soul, right? Because maybe we're experiencing the symptoms of it. We can see the outward physical expression of it. But God is going, there's something in there that is still needs to heal. And the only way that you and I can see it spiritually is when the word of God reveals it to you, reveals it to me. Hebrews 11.1 1 says the hope of what was unseen, right? So we have to go into what is unseen in the spiritual because God wants to heal it there first. And it's going to flow into the physical of our life but the word of God begins to do that and it judges and it discerns and it goes one side or goes to the other and we see this begin to happen but then God says the way that it starts to become offensive in your life and in my life is when it's rhema when it's being used when it's the spoken word of God there is power in the spoken word of God. I mean, think about in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? When God wanted to create the heavens and the earth, the spirit was present. And it was hovering over, right? And, but the spirit did not create anything yet until the, what God spoke. And when God spoke, the spirit moved. And God, who is three in one, created the heavens and the earth. He spoke in mountains form. He spoke in the... the um, Sun was created. He spoke, and it says the ocean can only go this far. But when God spoke, things were created. When God spoke, things began to move. And God is trying to show us that there is power when you and I speak the word of God. We begin to see what is happening in our lives, and God uses that. And we get, not only does God show us this all over creation and who God is, but did you know that God gave us a practical example of what this looks like when we're under spiritual attack? 
And he gives us in the person of Jesus. If you would turn real quick to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we see this, uh, be, this play out where he gives us a, a real life practical application. Where we get to watch Jesus who is God himself in a spiritual attack. In a spiritual battle with the devil himself. When Jesus is walking the earth. He doesn't send demons. He doesn't send like his little helpers. No, the devil went himself to try to derail Jesus, right? And Jesus allowed this. And in Matthew chapter 4, you want to wrestle with your theology a little bit. Matthew chapter 4, it says the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, right? The spirit led Jesus, that God led Jesus into this spiritual battle. And I began to look back at that of going, whoa, man, that changes things a little bit, right? Because I just see it a lot of times as the enemies attacking me. But but we see in scripture where God led them into spiritual battle. And you know why God led Jesus into spiritual battle? One, so that you and I would have a perfect picture of how to handle this and what to do. But I believe God's called us to be on the offensive. He wants to work through you. He wants to work through me to push back darkness, not just to defend, but to go, oh, you know what? I'm sending my children into the darkest places, and, and I want the, that darkness to be pushed back. I want them to go on the offensive. I want the devil to know he has no jurisdiction here because my child is there, and when they use the sword, use the word of God, he has to flee. He has to move back. And so God begins to use us, not just in the defensive, but in the offensive as well. And we see this in Matthew chapter 4 because Jesus, he goes on a 40-day fast. So, whoo, I missed like three hours and I am famished and I'm hungry. 40 days and Jesus is in the wilderness and he is hungry. So do you know what the, the devil does? Right there in the moment, he guess where he attacks Jesus first? In his humanity, in his man, right? He's like, hey, you, hey, you need to turn this, can't you do, I mean, you're Jesus, you can just turn this rock into bread and you'll have something to eat. I know your stomach's hurting. I know your head hurts. I know you're tired. All of these things. Look, look, just turn this into bread. You can do it. Just turn it. I'll give you, I'll make this, I'll give you this bread, right? He starts to tempt Jesus. And what does Jesus do? And I think there's something important in this Matthew chapter four that we need to realize. If you're taking notes, the devil will try to give us temporary relief that will put on us long-term chains. He'll say, oh, you're hurting right now. Look, look, you're hurting right now? Here, take the bread. Take the bread. Turn, turn this. Look, take the bread. I'll give you relief right now, right? But he's trying to pull the worship away from God. He's trying to, like, doesn't he do that with you and I? We're really tired or maybe in this moment, and all of a sudden we have all these temporary moments of relief. But God is going, oh, don't do that. Don't do the temporary moment of relief thing because it's going to hold you in chains even longer, right? Like, don't do that right now. It may, right? Have you ever been really mad at someone and you just had the outburst on them, right? It felt really good in the moment, didn't it? But then you're like, now I got to go back and mend this relationship. This long-term change that began to happen. He'll do it in money scenarios. He'll do it in relationships. He'll do it in all over places. He'll meet us at the point of trouble. Right? The trouble or the trial will come. And guess what? The enemy is coming right in there, right? And he sees the trials and troubles. And we say this a lot here because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't step back and go, oh, they're going through a hard time. I better give them a break. Oh, look at them. They're struggling right now. Let me just give them a break. He's like, no. 
this is the time. This is it. I'm I'm on them even stronger, right? Take this temporary relief, right? Take it, take it, take it. But what God shows us, Jesus shows us here, he comes back and Jesus' strategy against the devil, that the spiritual flows into the physical. And the devil and Jesus know this, right? Because they're starting in the spiritual and they're talking about physical things, but they're saying, hey, you can turn this into bread, right? The spiritual flows into the physical. And we see all of this. And then what does Jesus say? These three infamous, powerful words, it is written. It is written, right? The enemy comes and he says, you need to turn this in. And he goes, nope, it is written. What God says is this. And he quotes scripture. In fact, he goes to Deuteronomy, I believe, chapter 8. And he quotes how God provided for his people in due time. He provided manna from the sky. And so he went back and said, God will do it then. He'll do it now. God is my provider. He will provide that for me. And we see that. And then the enemy comes again and he gets crafty and he starts quoting, misquoting scripture. To Jesus, doesn't he? It's the hiding as the angel of light of going, right? And we even see this in the early uh, part of Genesis. What does he tell Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? Notice, what did he question about God? What he said, right? He, he's questioning what God spoke to them. Not just the Logos, but the Ram is going, did, did God really say? Because he knows if he can discredit what God says, he can throw us off because all the enemy can do is deceive. But then he goes on, and he goes further and he goes, look, I, I can give you this. And if you jump off this mountain, the angels will come and they'll save you. And he begins to try to derail Jesus and going, take this worship. I can give you all of this land, which is so ludicrous, right? Because Jesus is the one that created it all. But yet he's still trying to tempt Jesus to give the enemy worship for this temporary relief. Every single time, three different times, the enemy comes at Jesus. And what does Jesus do? It is written, God's word says this. It is written, God's word says this. He not only has read it and studied it and it's in his heart, but he speaks it to the enemy, right? It turns, he uses his sword and he says, it is written, this is what God's word says. Oh, you say this, this is what God's word said. This is what God's word, and he says it three times in the book of James tells us that if we will resist the enemy, he will flee. Three times we see the devil leaves him alone. He says, I guess I have no jurisdiction here, but the power comes when you and I realize when we speak spirit-filled words which come from the word of God that's when the enemy really gets stirred up and he and he experiences the power of what God is doing in our life because what he wants is for you and I to go hey this is what I say right Daniel Kazanave said this there's no power in that right only if you're quoting what I said from scripture Right. Only if you're quoting what I said from the word of God or we may step back. The enemy's okay with, hey, this great philosopher said. Right. Because it doesn't hold the supernatural power and the word of God that created all things in it. Right. Or he may even go, well, hey, my parents said or my friend said the enemy doesn't doesn't flee or squeamish at that. But when you and I say, hey, it is written, the word of God says when we say that the enemy has to step back, it's almost like an allergic reaction. They're like, oh, I don't know. I can't do anything with this. Right. Because the power and authority is in the word of God and it becomes the rhema. It becomes the sword of the spirit where you and I get to live on the offensive with the spirit of God that we begin to speak that and use it into our lives that God is calling us to can you imagine if all of us left this place 
fully understanding what we have already been given by God. And he says, I no longer want you to live on the defense. I've given you the word of God so that you can live on the offense. So that you can overcome, not only overcome the strongholds that God has placed in your life, maybe as generational strongholds. My family's always been like this. We've always done it this way. We've, uh, whatever it may be, God says, well, I'm giving you the word of God so that you can have the stronghold to overcome those things because that's what the enemy wants is to hold us into that bondage. And we see all throughout scripture, if you and I, maybe we're sorrowful, we can read John chapter 14 where it says, I will give you peace. The peace this world cannot offer you, but I can give that to you. Maybe when we have sinned against God and the enemy says, see, look, God can't use you anymore. We go and read Psalm 51, where it says, God, I'm offering this sin to you. Renew to me the joy of my salvation, right? Or we jump over to Romans chapter 8. We feel defeated. And Romans chapter 8 gives us this picture of going, you 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 have everything that you need to overcome. You are a conqueror, right? You are, in fact, it says you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, right? Or maybe we see that we've made a mistake or something we didn't do, but the situation has turned and we see that it's, evil going on in the world and we look and read Romans 8 28 and it says that God will work all things out for the good of those who love him right all of a sudden I see this picture I'm seeing what is in front of me but then I'm taking the word of God and going I'm combating that with the word of God I know God some way somehow is going to work this out for his glory and for good of those who love him I know that he's going to restore to me the joy of my salvation We see scriptures all over the place. Maybe we need peace and rest. We look at Matthew chapter 11. Because the enemy will whisper in our ear, right? Maybe we're overworked and burnt out. And the enemy is going, no, you need to work harder. The only way you're going to overcome this is work harder, work more hours, spend more time, make more money. Then you'll have peace. Then you'll have rest. But then we say it is written, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Seek first my kingdom, right? And he says, I'll handle all those other things that come before you. And we see this happen over and over scripture. But right, the enemy's going to come at us with those attacks. But we move into the offensive when we say, no, the word of God says this. The word of God says this. And then we move into the offensive because I believe God is not only calling us to defend the attacks of the enemy, but he's calling us to live on the offensive i believe that he I, I think we could be in a generation right where we could see a mighty movement of god but i think it's only going to happen when we as christians realize what we have in christ and if you don't hear anything else here for me today i'd love for you to get this we must know who we are and what we have we must know who we are and what we have in christ If I know who I am in Christ, I know what my identity is. The enemy can't come at me and tell me otherwise because I know what God has told me. I know that God has changed me. I know that I have the spirit of God living in me and he that is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I know that I am a co-heir in Christ. I was once in darkness and now I'm living in light. I I know that I am fully forgiven. I know that I am fully accepted by God. It's my salvation knowing who I am and my identity of Christ is not based off what I do or what I have done. It's based off the blood of Jesus and what he has done on the cross. That is who I am. 
And what I have is the armor of God. I have that salvation, that helmet of salvation that protects my thoughts because I know who I am. I have the breastplate of righteousness. I have the belt of truth. I have the gospel of peace on my feet. I have the sword of the spirit. So not only will I stand firm in my faith, not only will I stand firm for my family, but I'm going to go on the offensive. I'm going to push back darkness. God, use us, use our church to not only defend, but to push back darkness in every single territory right i believe that's what god has called us to do and he's saying by grace i've already given it to you but by faith we have to live into it we have the revelation of god's word to us but then we have it also given to us by grace but god says you and i still have a responsibility to live by faith that I yield to what God says. I trust him, believe him, take him at his word. Not only believe it to change my own heart, but that he can use me to, to move into the spiritual sex that is happening around me as well. And God is going, look, we do still need to do the things in the physical, right? But we need to start in the spiritual. Start in the spiritual and allow it to flow into the physical, what God is calling us to do. And so as I close and wrap up here today, I just want to pray for us. Ask God to speak to our hearts. I pray that we know who we are in Christ. I, I pray that we believe in everything that he has given us. But maybe you're sitting in this room here today and you hear all of this and you're going, well, you know what? I, I don't know who I am in Christ. I, Daniel, you keep describing all of these things as a Christian, and I don't even know if I am a Christian, right? I, I'm still even wrestling with that. And God says, that's the first place. I, I want you to experience me, have a relationship with me, and then the Holy Spirit, right, will begin to change and mold us and shape us because sometimes we think, I got I to get my life together before I come to church. I got to get my life together before I come to Jesus. And I go, no, no, no. It actually happens the other way around. Come to Jesus. Bring him everything you got. All the baggage, luggage, just come loading up, piled up. I mean, he can handle it all. Everything you got, come and lay it at his feet. Say, Jesus, this is all of who I am. This is everything that's going on with me. It's a lot, isn't it? And Jesus goes, look, just give it to me. I can take it, right? And he gives us a new name, a new heart. We are born again, a new creation in Christ. And then he starts, you know, peeling those things away from our lives, right? That sanctification begins to happen. He's going, Daniel, don't pick up that suitcase again. What are you doing? Come on, you know who you are, right? Like, don't pick that up again. And we begins to, to heal us and change us into that image. So I just want to pray for us. And if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that here today, I just want to lead you through this prayer. Uh, there's nothing about this prayer. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so this prayer recognizes that. And we're crying out to God to save us in that. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just take this moment. God, I pray that if there's someone in this room who doesn't know you, they would say this prayer with me. God, I know that I have missed the mark. I know that I have sin in my life. God, and I give all of that to you. I ask that you would save me, Jesus. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask that you would save me, God. If you prayed that prayer here today, I want to encourage you to fill out a connect card that's in your seat. Our, our stop by our connect center. We'd love to pray with you and walk with you through this whole process. You're not meant to walk this alone, this journey alone.
So I want to pray for us as a church. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. We see how your word has so much more implications in our life than maybe we ever thought or imagined. God, that it wouldn't just be a physical Bible that is in our house, that it would move to us understanding the message, God. And then it would go from the message of us not only believing that message, but then we will pick up the sword and use it, whether that be changing our own life, changing our own heart, and then we begin to speak it. We speak it over ourselves, God. We speak it over our family. We speak it over our neighborhood. We speak it over our coworkers. We speak it. That's just the way we live, God, is that your words are so stored up in our hearts that the overflow of what we say, God, is what your word says. God, I pray that you would use us, use this church to push back darkness. That we would stand firm in the faith, God. And that if you lead us into any places, we're going to pull out our sword of the Spirit, God. And that's how we're going to discern. That's how we're going to judge. That's how we're going to move and, and reorient our lives around what your word says, Jesus. God, we trust you. We love you so much. Use us for your glory, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.